Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. Welcome back, basketball history aficionados. This is Rick Loiza, and with me once again is my editor, Jacob. How are you doing, Jacob? Good. How are you doing, Dad? Doing good. Doing good. So today, our story is about Magic Johnson and Ronnie Cycli. Yeah. So obviously, Magic Johnson is a name that all basketball aficionados would know. But who in the world is Ronnie Cycli? <laughs> Ronnie Cycli... He was a good player, so he played in the 80s and 90s, mostly for the Miami Heat, but he did play for a couple of other teams. He was just a good, solid NBA player. He was never an all-star, but he was just a guy that, if you didn't have an all-star center, then a Ronnie Cycli would have been a good player to have in the middle. Okay, so this episode is called Magic Johnson versus Ronnie Cycli. So obviously they played each other, but what was significant about the fact that they played each other? Why would anybody care? Well, that's something I'm going to talk about a little bit more as we get into the story, uh, but it really is a story of a good deed, and I don't want to give away any spoilers, because that's what we're here for, we're going to listen to the to the rest of the story, but it, it's a story of a good deed, and that's the way I wanted to uh, contextualize the story. It was, it was just something that, it was just a good deed that one person did for another. Well, that sounds interesting. Uh, what else made this story important to you? Well, there actually is a little bit of a twist, and I don't want to spoil it here. I will I will share it as part of the story, but there is a little bit of a twist. It involves myself and Grandpa. That means your Grandpa, my dad. He's also in this story. Oh, wow. Okay. So a little bit of, you know, a little personal. Yes. The, this is probably the most personal story we've done so far. So I'm really excited to share it and uh, have everybody be part of it. That's That's fascinating. Let's get into the story. Sounds good. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back, aficionados. This is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. And today we are going to talk about a good deed done in the context of basketball. Sometimes what we might consider a small gesture can mean the world to another person. I could be helping someone across the road or providing a meal to someone who really needed it. It could be a hug for someone who is grieving. Well, this is one of those kinds of stories. This story is about the time that Magic Johnson and Ronnie Cycli played a game of one-on-one against each other. In doing the research for it, I had a really hard time finding references to this one-on-one game anywhere. I was able to find something on this topic in two places. You can find one instance in the book, When the Game Was Ours, co-written by Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and NBA writer Jackie McMullen. You can also find a reference from an article written by Dave McMenamin for ESPN.com back in 2011. The article was about the 20th anniversary of Magic's announcement that he had HIV. He was using the anniversary as an occasion to present a $1 million check 
for HIV awareness. There was a small ceremony in LA for this occasion. On hand was a crowd of who's who from Lakers history. You had James Worthy, AC Green, Michael Cooper, Michael Thompson, Kurt Rambis, Pat Riley, Mike Dunleavy, Jerry West, Bill Sharman, Dr. Jerry Buss, Mitch Kupchak, Jeannie Buss, Phil Jackson, and former Lakers trainer Gary Vitti. As part of Magic's speech, he thanked all of the people that had an influence on his playing career going all the way back to his high school days. And then he thanked someone that kind of came out of left field. He thanked Ronnie Cycli. And that was a weird one because Magic and Cycli were never teammates. And as far as anyone knew, they were not even friends. They had played regular NBA games against each other as opponents. But that's it. Because of their positions, they almost never even guarded each other. So all I could find were references that such a one-on-one -on -one game took place, but no real detail about the actual game itself. So we know that it happened, and that it meant a lot to Magic because he brought it up in his speech, but I found nothing else in my research. Now, I will explain the connection between Magic and Cycli. After all, that's what we're doing this episode about. We will explore the following questions. Why were they in the same place at the same time, and why did they play one-on-one? -on -one? There really is no obvious reason that this game would have ever taken place. But before I explain the connection, I want to give you some background from each player's perspective. First, I want to talk about who Ronnie Cycli is and give you his backstory, and then I'll share some background from Magic's perspective. Ronnie Cycli was born in Beirut, Lebanon, but raised in Athens, Greece, where his family is actually from. He was one of those very early international players who played in the NBA in the 1980s. Back then, there weren't more than maybe a dozen players from outside the United States playing in the NBA. Now compare that to today, where there are over 150 international players in the NBA. So Cycli was definitely one of those early pioneers. And it was obvious from an early age that he might have a real future in basketball, as he was always way taller than the other kids and had amazing athleticism and coordination. He attended the American school in Athens, Greece, so his English was really good since he basically did high school or secondary school in English. Playing basketball there and being 6 foot 11 or 211 centimeters, he caught the attention of Jim Beheim, who was the head coach at Syracuse University in upstate New York. Beheim brought Cycli to Syracuse where he helped lead them to a Final Four appearance in 1987. After a senior year where he was named a John Wooden All-American, he was the very first draft pick in Miami Heat history when they took him with the ninth pick in 1988. He also played for the Golden State Warriors, the Orlando Magic, the New Jersey Nets, and one final season in Spain with Barcelona before retiring from the game completely. He now lives in both Miami and Athens as a dual citizen, where he works as a successful real estate developer and part-time DJ. He specializes in European-style techno or house music. And even though he was never an all-star or a champion, by any reasonable measure, he had a very successful NBA career. He played 11 seasons in the league 
and averaged just under 15 points per game for his career. He was a very solid NBA player. And next, we'll talk about Magic's side of the story, and we'll do that right after this break. We're back, so let me give you some of the context from Magic's side. Some of you might remember that on November 7th of 1991, Magic announced that he had HIV and would be retiring immediately from the Lakers. But that season, he was still allowed to play in the All-Star game, since his name was already on the ballots and he was voted in to play the game. His doctor signed off on it and said that Magic would suffer no permanent damage by playing in the All-Star game that season. And if you want to see some of that game, just go to YouTube and look for 1992 NBA All-Star Game. In fact, I'll put a link in the description for you. So Magic was hardly playing basketball at all in that intervening time, meaning that he was starting to get out of shape. But in addition to playing in that All-Star Game, he was also named to the 1992 Olympic Dream Team for the upcoming Barcelona Olympics, and he needed to get back into game shape. Now he was doing his best to stay in shape on his own, but to get into basketball shape, you need to actually play basketball against other people. And he was having a hard time finding other players to play with. Everyone who could play at his level was already in the NBA and they were busy traveling around the country playing each other. He needed some game action of any kind. And so this brings us to Sunday, January 5th, 1992. He's at the old forum where the Lakers used to play prior to playing at the Staples Center. It was common for Magic to get a workout in before the regular Laker players took the court for their pregame warm-up. It made sense because his old coaches and trainers were already in the building and they could help him get up some shots and put him through drills. And while drills were good for him, it's not the same as playing a game. But it was the best he had available to him. And on this day, in the balmy California winter of 1992, the Miami Heat were in town. On the court, at the forum, Magic was working out pretty hard and really had a good sweat going. At the other end of the court was Ronnie Cycli, who was doing the same thing. Cycli was out of the Heat lineup due to an injury, and he was rehabbing and working out to get back into shape in order to return to his lineup. So here they are, both men on opposite ends of the court trying to get back in shape. One was trying to return to the Heat lineup, and the other was preparing for the previously mentioned All-Star game and the Olympics, and entertaining a comeback to the Lakers. It's around 6.15 p.m. in California, and both men know that they need to be off the court by around 6.30 because that's when the first Heat and Lakers players will start to take the court to begin their warm-up. Magic is finishing his workout and practicing some hook shots when Cycli walks over from his end of the court and asks Magic for one-on-one. -on -one. And that's when Magic gave Cycli that 10,000 watt smile that would light up an entire room. You see, as I mentioned, Magic had a hard time finding players to play against. Most were busy with their NBA teams, and the ones who weren't were afraid to catch HIV from Magic, and they didn't want to take the risk of any unnecessary contact. You have to keep in mind that this is 1992, and we were still learning a lot about HIV. There were still rumors that you could catch it from a toilet seat. That's the reason all public facilities have toilet seat covers today. I mean, there are plenty of other good reasons to have a toilet seat cover, but back then, 
The fear of HIV is what got it all started. Now back to this one-on-one -on -one game. Magic couldn't believe it. Someone was willing to play against him. And it was an active NBA player, which will make it a good game. And they were playing pretty hard. Sweat was flying everywhere. They were coming at each other with jump hooks and step back jumpers. It was pretty good one-on-one. -on -one. It was very intense. And then the Lakers and Heat players started to make their way onto the court and they see this matchup going on. They are concerned for Cycli. To them, he's taking a major risk playing against Magic. But it soon became obvious that it was safe. Cycli didn't get HIV. And as word spread around the league that it's safe to play against Magic, everyone started to relax a bit. But only a bit. And that was still a good thing. But how do I know so much about the game when the documents I mentioned don't go into any real detail? I'll tell you why. Because I was there. Up until now, I haven't shared much about my personal life because I always want to keep this podcast about the game and its history. This podcast is not about me, but this is one of those few cases where the story I'm covering intersects with my real life. I grew up in Southern California, and I have been a Lakers fan my entire life. And yes, I am still on an emotional high that they won the championship this year in 2020. I love that they have 17 championships and no longer have to look up at the Celtics. And my dad has been rooting for the Lakers since he emigrated to the United States from Peru in 1968. He started rooting for them when Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, and Will Chamberlain were the big three for the Lakers. I jumped on board when I was around 11 years old, and Magic, James Worthy, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar were the new big three for the team. I bleed purple and gold. And when I was in high school, my dad had Lakers season tickets. We used to leave the house about three and a half hours before tip-off, and it would take us about an hour to drive to Inglewood depending on traffic. The city of Inglewood is where the arena was located. And we used to get something to eat at Carl's Jr. on Manchester Boulevard, right off the 405 freeway. Then we'd make our way over to the old forum about 90 minutes before tip-off because that's when they would open the doors. And the ushers wouldn't find their posts until 30 minutes after the doors open. That means that we had about 30 minutes to walk all the way down and stand courtside while the players warmed up. And that's where my dad and I stood watching Magic go through that workout when Ronnie Cycli walked up for some one-on-one. -on -one. I was 17 years old when this happened. It was me, my dad, and about 25 or 30 other fans just standing around watching this one-on-one -on -one matchup. Sometimes you don't realize that history is happening around you when you're in the middle of it. In fact, I hadn't really thought about the game until 18 years later when I bought a copy of the book When the Game Was Ours and saw it mentioned on page 253 of the hard copy edition. And all the memories came flooding back. You see, Magic was and always will be my favorite basketball player of all time. I'm thankful that I was there and in a position to document the story as part of this podcast. I wish I could tell you what the score was, but honestly, I wasn't keeping track. I was just so happy to be watching Magic play any sort of basketball again. I have to admit that I was just caught up in the moment. On that day in 1992, Ronnie Cycli did a very good deed. As a Magic Johnson fan, I am thankful that he did. 
I will always have a high level of respect for cycling. He deserves it. I even looked up his techno music in researching this story, and I kind of like it. As for Magic, there were no problems with him playing in the national team that summer. The Dream Team played in the Tournament of the Americas in Portland, and then the Olympics in Barcelona. And if anybody had a problem with his HIV, you couldn't tell. So after the success of the 1992 Olympics, Magic thinks that things are good for him to make a return to the Lakers after just one season away from the game. He got the green light from his doctors that he would not be subjecting himself to any harm by trying to play. But as the preseason games began in the fall of 1992, Carl Malone, his dream team teammate, said that he would not play against the Lakers if Magic is in the game. He said that the risk is too great. Fellow All-Star Mark Price also chimed in and said that he would also sit out games against the Lakers. Malone said that playing at the Olympics was one thing because the games were not that physical, but playing in the NBA is totally different because there is a high level of physicality at the highest level. With some pressure mounting, Magic announced that he was abandoning his comeback attempt. And as time wore on, we did learn more about HIV and attitudes toward it began to shift. After four years away from the game, Magic finally made his comeback in 1996 when he played the last 32 games of the season for the Lakers as their power forward before retiring permanently from the NBA. An act of kindness can go a long way. Sometimes something as little as playing one-on-one -on -one basketball against somebody can make an impact that reaches far beyond the game. We never know just how much a small gesture can mean to someone. And this act of kindness from almost 30 years ago needs to be remembered. Not so much for what it did on that particular day, but because acts of kindness remind us what it is to be human. There are still so many good people in the world doing really good things for others. We should take the time when we can to brighten someone else's day. It's worth it. So that's the story for today. Join us next time as we explore the 1951 college basketball betting scandal involving City College of New York as well as many other schools. That's next time on Basketball History 101. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us next week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. 
Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.